is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. Brave but hopeless charges against entrenched positions, generals on foaming steeds leading their courageous troops into the bloody fray. Afterwards, chivalrous men from both sides succor the wounded and in quiet times meet to trade coffee and tobacco before resuming combat with the enemy whom they respect so well. That's the war that many of us like to read about, but it's not the one we're going to hear about from today's guest. Lonnie Spear is the author of books on Civil War prisons and atrocities committed against prisoners of war. Join us for the ugly underside of the Civil War when we return with Lonnie Spear on Civil War Talk Radio. Wherever you are, you deserve World Spa, a day spa for both men and women specializing in Western therapies with age-old Eastern techniques. All World Spa providers are professionally licensed specialists in their fields. We provide spa treatments for all schedules, from as little as 30 minutes to all-day programs. World Spa also has a spiritual library where you can relax and enjoy our collection of books, videos, and audio tapes. World Spa is open seven days a week by appointment and features a variety of special treatments, spa services, facials, exfoliation, and much more. We also offer products such as beauty and skin treatments, health drinks, herbal teas, and food supplements. World Spa also accommodates groups of five or more so you can make it a full and special day. Come enjoy the World Spa difference. Call us today at 619-624-0506 or visit us on the web at www.worldspas.org. If you want to live a healthier lifestyle naturally, visit wellnow.ca, an all-Canadian quality resource. We provide the information and knowledge you need to make your best choices. Wellnow.ca gives you access to natural products and solutions, lifestyle services, and licensed health practitioners. Our free monthly newsletter delivers healthy living tips, articles, and expert opinions. Become empowered. Go to wellnow.ca today. Are you a health-conscious, motivated mom who wants to work part-time from home? Do you want to enhance your family's income, get out of debt, experience financial freedom, create a flexible schedule, set your own hours? These benefits are available to top performers of this 34-year-old, solid, stable company. www.lisastafford.com Achieve personal wellness goals and make a difference in the lives of others. Receive coaching from the top achievers at this company. For more information, go online, lisastafford.com. Have a question or comment? To speak to our show hosts or guests during the live show, call in toll-free in North America, 877-514-7300. And from elsewhere in the world, call 001-858-277-1444. Prokopovich, welcoming you to Civil War Talk Radio, coming to you from my office at East Carolina University, but not representing the university, except perhaps demographically. The commercial, some of you may have just heard before this, asks, are you a health-conscious, motivated mom? And I must think that can only describe the most minute fraction of the audience of this program. 
but to those of you who are indeed health conscious and motivated and mothers, uh, welcome along with everybody else to Civil War Talk Radio. Today our guest is Lonnie Spear, author of Portals to Hell, a book about Civil War prisons, and also War of Vengeance, a book about retaliation acts against Civil War POWs. Lonnie, how are you doing today? Just fine. How are you? Good. Glad you could join us today. It's could you tell tell me a little bit about uh, about your background? What uh, what you do? Uh, how you got interested in the subject? Well, I'm retired right now, but I was a police officer for about 30 years, and um, I was also doing a lot of writing on uh, articles, uh, history articles. I've always been interested in history. And I uh, used to do a lot of research on uh, historical subjects um, and got particularly interested in the Civil War. And in researching the prisons, uh, I don't know if it was the law enforcement background or what, but uh, I was interested in the prisons and the prisoners of war. And uh, in attempting to read and find information on that, uh, I found that there was very little about it which prompted me to do more research and start delving into the archives and historical societies and uh, gathering enough information for the books. You said you were a police officer. Were you involved in, in prisons in any way? Um, well, just uh, taking people into custody and um, um, taking them to jail or putting them in uh, county jails and stuff. But uh, that was about the extent of it. Although I uh, I learned uh, from experience that uh, um, a lot of them uh, I would always, of course, treat them humanely. But uh, there was uh, situations, of course, that I read about and heard about that uh, they weren't necessarily treated fairly or uh, as such. And uh, I guess maybe that's why I was able to identify as the uh, person who took people into custody and also uh, identify with the prisoners themselves. Uh, so it's not just an abstraction for you? Yes, uh -huh. and it caused me to be uh, greatly interested in the situation. Now, you mentioned you're retired. Um, you're currently uh, in western North Carolina, is that right? Uh, yes, I'm in western North Carolina. Um, Western Carolina University. I work there, but it's um, is maintenance, um, part-time job is maintenance with Western. I, I think that's uh, remarkable. I'm, I'm here at East Carolina, and mm -hmm. uh, one of my colleagues was asking who was going to be, uh, who, who would I be talking to today, and I mentioned you, and I, I pointed out you were at Western uh, Carolina University, but right. as you say, you're retired and just doing part-time maintenance work there. Right. But you've outpublished uh, a significant number of the history faculty there. You've got more books than they do, and uh, they're they're full-time scholars. I think that's pretty remarkable. Now, so you got interested in the story of Civil War prisons because there wasn't much out there. So you began looking at it yourself. What kind of sources did you? How did you start this process? Well, I began with Helpful Times book um, from Kent State University that was mm -hmm. published in the 30s. And this was uh, probably in the 80s when I started researching. And, uh, of course, I was amazed that there was hardly anything written since the 30s about it. And Hetzelstein had done a lot of research in that regard. 
and um, I was able to find a lot of memoirs and um, letters at different uh, historical societies and uh, university libraries, and uh, started researching those and ran across then a number of books that were written by former prisoners and uh, started treating it more or less. Um, I was doing also um, getting a background research on the situation through World War II and Vietnam, uh, prisoners of war and what they were claiming or saying. And uh, so I started researching in depth about uh, the situation with the prisoners during the Civil War and more or less treating their books and articles they had written their contemporary books and articles as more or less uh, as though I was interviewing them. Um, so basically trying to answer questions uh, as to uh, what occurred through their own words. And when you began taking this approach and looking at, at the, the first-hand accounts of these prisoners, what uh, one of the hot-button issues that, that, that occurs to everybody who looks at this is to compare the prison experience in the North and the South. Right. What What did you find in that regard? What I started finding was that um, the situation in the, the Northern prisons was just as bad as the situation in the Southern prisons, especially after mid-1863. And, of course, a lot of the Civil War writings um, were sort of um, representing the Northern prisons as very humane, and uh, not as bad as the South, which I was beginning to find it was completely untrue. So that after the midpoint of the war, conditions start to deteriorate in the northern prisons? Uh, yes. Uh, drastically deteriorated in the South and greatly deteriorated in the North. Um, they stopped prisoner exchanges, which, of course, caused them to be quite crowded. Um, they didn't have enough food, and uh, the northern or union prisons, uh, the officials begin reducing the uh, rations uh, in retaliation for what they perceived to be ill treatment of the prisoners being held in the south. Uh, so both sides weren't getting enough food uh, to their prisoners of war. This is something. And, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, and basically, by the end, 56,000 prisoners had died which there wasn't that much difference between the northern and southern uh, deaths as far as the numbers because about 30,000 died in the southern prisons and uh, nearly 26,000 died in the northern prisons. And uh, in terms of a percentage of prisoners, are, are those numbers comparable? Uh, com yes, quite comparable. 15% uh, in the Confederacy or in the Confederate prisons, died in 12% in the Union prisons. So the, you say this is a, uh, an act of retaliation uh, in the North. Certainly in the South, as the war goes on, the Southern infrastructure starts to crumble. The railroads aren't maintained. It becomes hard to get food to the Southern armies, much less to the uh, prisoner of war camps. Right. And so you, you see southern soldiers are going hungry, and certainly northern prisoners are going hungry as well. Right. In the north, there's plenty of food, and the railroads are running fine. Mm -hmm. So 
Well, they begin, uh, of course, uh, Lincoln, his cabinet, and, and Stanton, led by Stanton, was uh, beginning to realize by that by mid-63 uh, that uh, their best chances for uh, victory was uh, in numbers, and uh, that if they um, did away with the uh, exchanges and if they reduced the rations, um, First of all, it was costing too much. The newspapers uh, were complaining. The public was complaining about the number of prisoners being held. And in order to uh, save money to some extent, they began reducing rations and putting savings into accounts that were supposed to help the prisoners. But uh, it wasn't used that often. And then they uh, reduced the rations again later on during the war. And uh, because of the perceived treatment that their that their soldiers were receiving in the South, now, so it just led to a uh, spiral effect. It's Clausewitz talks about that in, in on war. He writes how uh, in, in war the cycle of re of escalation yes, causes sir. one side to use violent uh, some additional form of violence that's not normally used. The other side retaliates. The first side strikes back and. And you get a spiral, just as you said. Right. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the war. When the war started, neither side has any prison camps, obviously. The, right. Uh, and there, there's no idea that the United States is prepared to deal with tens of thousands of military prisoners anywhere, north or south. How do they handle that at the beginning? In the beginning, they started filling up their county jails and city jails with their prisoners and holding them there. They didn't expect to uh, have a lot of prisoners. They never even thought about it, apparently. And then as they kept bringing in more, they began looking around for places to keep them. Uh, they, as soon as the city jails and county jails were filled, they began using state prisons in most locations. And eventually they began building these, these separate camps, uh, uh -huh. Camp Douglas and uh, Andersonville and so on. Right. Now, there was also, at the beginning of the war, for a time at least, the parole system, right. where the, the soldiers would capture on the battlefield would just sign a piece of paper saying, I promise not to fight right. until I'm exchanged, they would go back to their own side. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, that began to kind of fall apart. Uh, the North began to realize that a lot of them were going home and staying um, once they got released. And in the South, they were rejoining their regiments. Uh, there was also a lot of arguments back and forth as to uh, um, whether they were honoring their paroles or not. And, I think uh, a lot of people, when they hear about the exchange system, they assume it refers to people who are taken into enemy prisons and then set free again. But a lot of the exchanges are these paroled prisoners who are right. They were home. right on the battlefield after the war or after the battle had ended. Right, and then then they would be pledged not to fight until. Uh, the, you send a okay. list of people you're exchanging, and then you try and contact those guys, get them back in your ranks. You're, you're free right. to fight again. Yes. That's, that, that's, I tell my students about that, and they cannot believe it, mm -hmm. because imagine today, uh, in, in two, late 2005, if uh, American soldiers uh, took pr prisoners in, in, say, Iraq and, and just said, here, sign this slip and we'll let you go. Just right. promise not to fight us anymore. Right. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't see that happening today. It 
Very no, it wouldn't. Uh, it, it wouldn't work out today. It was, no, we live in that a- was probably part of the gentleman's uh, war, uh, based on uh, medieval Europe. I think that uh, to some extent it worked out, but it was also begun, becoming a nightmare in statistics and in calculating back and forth as to who was uh, who was what. So, keeping track of who is who's exchanging who's not yes. right. So eventually, that that system breaks down. Now, you pointed out one reason why the exchange system and the parole system breaks down is that the the Lincoln administration makes a conscious decision that numbers are on their side, and if they can stop the exchanges, they can reduce the Southern armies faster yes. than their own will be reduced. Now, there's also an argument, though, that part of this breakdown is over the exchange of, of black prisoners of war. Yes. Do, do you have a view on that? Uh, yes. Uh, it was That was also uh, one of the uh, reasons for it. Um, there is some controversy as far as um, Butler, Ben Butler in his memoirs later uh, stated that was a contrived uh, situation in which they decided that, that would anger the South um, to begin arguing over that situation and just to have black uh, soldiers and, and consequently black prisoners in some cases would cause controversy in itself with the South. Which it certainly did. Right. Now, of course, some of us might say of all the people you want to trust, Benjamin Butler might not be the highest on the list. True, yes. Uh, but an interesting argument. It, yeah, it, it, it points out that there was um, controversy on both sides as to the situation that would uh, inspire the, the problem with the, with the uh, agreements, with the trade agreements. Now, when the, the agreement then breaks down, and now both sides, instead of returning prisoners, have to keep them and care for them, and that's when the prisons... The military prisons are built, and they fill up, and you get this drastic deterioration in the conditions in North and South. After the war, as you point out in your books, uh, and and most Civil War students know this, uh, the commandant of Andersonville, Henry Wirtz, is tried and found guilty of war crimes and is executed. What I found interesting was your observation, he's the only one executed, as as people know, but there were a number of other trials held. Yes, uh-huh. Um, Major G of Salisbury was held um, and, and tried. And acquitted. And acquitted, yes. What what happened there, do you suppose? Um, in my opinion, it sounded like, uh, first of all, the government, uh, the Union government, was wanting to just heal wounds and get on with life and forget about the situation. Um, the I think the military tribunal was unable to come to a decision because they too were kind of by that time um, the retaliation concept was, was beginning to deteriorate. So, so people after, were losing interest. They were wanting to move on with their lives, and uh, the military and uh, other government officials were wanting to just move on and just put it behind them. So, so other than the, the execution of words takes place in August of 1865, right after yeah. the war, right. but within a few months, people 
are not seeking us any longer. Well, we're going to take a short break now. We will be back with our guest, Lonnie Spear, to talk more about Civil War prisons and prisoners on Civil War Talk Radio.